Hi, all. Welcome to the We Ship It podcast, the podcast where Devin and I rant about our favorite and not so favorite ships of all time. Yes, today we are going to be talking about Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights. So there is sure to be some ranting on this one. Do we ship it? Listen to find out. Hi everyone, I'm Devin. And I'm Steph. And welcome to the We Ship It podcast. The Wuthering Heights episode. Yay, or not so yay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes, so today we're going to discuss Catherine and Heathcliff, the odd but obsessive lovers from way out yonder on the moors. These Mm -hmm. two are frankly weird. I don't know if you get the same impression, Devin, but I honestly, I'm not going to give away any spoilers on what I feel (laughs) till the end, but... Man, they're weird. Okay. As per usual, we want to give a quick warning, a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yes. If you have not read Wuthering Heights, we encourage you to do so. Not as much as, say, Jane Eyre, but we still encourage you to do so. (laughs) Um, And we are, because we're basically going to be going into details about the plot. Um, And to that point, let's get to a quick summary. So Heathcliff, a, quote, dark-skinned gypsy, end quote, was brought home by Mr. Earnshaw to a family on the moors. He ends up getting really to know, well, one of the younger daughters, Catherine, who is the only child who's actually nice to him. Hindley, her brother, is abusive, and she and Heathcliff end up falling in love because she's the only one to show him any sort of compassion. Uh, The two consider themselves almost as one person. One day, Catherine hurts her leg and she is brought into the Linton household, who is a more well-to-do family, where she starts to want to become a lady. She falls in love, but I'm doing air quotes right now, falls in love with Edgar, Edgar, (laughs) Edgar, I don't even know what I'm saying, um, with Edgar Linton and ends up marrying him, leaving Heathcliff like upset and distraught. And so he runs away. He comes back as a more gentlemanly looking dude, although he still has, you know, that Heathcliff anger in him. Right. Um, and he tries to win Catherine back in some ways, but it doesn't really work. And Heathcliff runs away with Edgar's sister, Isabella. And they scandalous. have a child. Na- I know, scandalous. They have a child named Linton. Um, Catherine actually ends up dying in childbirth with her daughter, Kathy, and uh, Henley's son, Hareton, lives with Heathcliff. So there, there are a lot of different names in this book. I'm actually yeah. keeping a She's three. doing a very, like, if you haven't read this, she's doing a very good job at creating a summary of this book <laughs> yes. because it is so it's unbelievably so over crazy. The <laughs> and I, so I am, I have next to me like a family tree because I never understand like these, the different characters, um, which is so funny to me. But basically it's hard, it's hard to get these names because different people are named after their parents and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But, or just their um, family line. Yeah. Anyways, back to back to the summary. Yeah. So Harriton, who is Hindley's son, and Hindley is now passed away. Um, he lives with Heathcliff, and Heathcliff treats him poorly, basically because of his past with Hindley. Eventually, Harriton and Kathy Kathy fall in love. I've kind of skipped through some of the weird revenge stuff Heathcliff ends up trying to do, and like make these two, you know, not get married or get married. I don't really know. It's very very confusing. But Heathcliff tries to like ruin their lives, and then mm-hmm. he ends up dying, saying that he's finally going to. Catherine or whatever in death. Um, it's a very strange story. <clears throat> it talks a lot or it comments a least. lot on obsession. Um, but that's really what we're going to be talking about throughout this episode. So 
let's get started. Yeah. So with that, let's dive right in. Um, okay, so for the first question, we're going to be talking about how are Catherine and Heathcliff soulmates in character? What makes them one in nature? So in the novel, Bronte describes Heathcliff and Catherine as being intertwined from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, their characters almost overlap, and it's hard to tell them apart at times. It's right. almost like their love exists on a higher level of sorts, like a spiritual level. Um, there are multiple mm-hmm. situations where Heathcliff calls Catherine his soul, and he cannot live without her. Catherine even states, quote, whatever our souls are made of, his and mine are the same, mm-hmm. end quote. I think it's their love for each other that unites them, but there's something much deeper about that. Right. Um, But in some regards, I think they have it all wrong, and it's crazy weird the level that they take it to. I mean, Heathcliff even demands to have his casket laid open so that he can decompose with her in the ground. Uh, he mm-hmm. wants to mm-hmm. literally lay side by side with her and just it's very bodily be together. I, I don't <laughs> love it. Like <laughs> it's ugh. weird. It's very weird. He also, when she dies, he calls for her to to haunt him, and saying, "Quote: Only do not leave me in this abyss where I cannot find you. Oh God, it is unutterable." I cannot live without my life. I cannot live without my soul, end quote. Mm-hmm. So he's like calling her to haunt him and be with him even after she's dead. It's just weird. So to say it, that it they is. are so to say that they are soulmates, I would agree in those regards. However, their relationship their relationship is not meant for love. And we will mm-hmm. get into that a little bit later. Yes. What about for you? Uh, the two of them, they are soulmates in a very disgusting kind of way. Um, the two of them are selfish and they're wild. I think yes. that's what brings them together. They reject moral Correct. and social decency, um, whereas everyone else is trying to remain good Christians and remain good in society and quote unquote all these different things. But they are wild things, the two of them. That's why I think they relate so much because... They both have this attraction to the Moors, to nature, to this carnal, like, man instinct of just being, just just living and breathing in the wind and, like, rejecting I would agree with you. I think they are very norms. more prone to acting on their mm-hmm. instincts more exactly. than other characters. They are untamable. And I really think their souls meet somewhere dark and dangerous, and that's why they're soulmates, but it's very unhealthy. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen any of the movie versions of this, but I, I just watched the 2015 version and man it's just it's disgusting like i just watched it to get like in the in the thought process in the mood for this episode and they do a really good job of showing the darkness of the entire set first of all and also the darkness of the two characters oh it's very depressing honestly (laughs) so So i I do that (laughs) do that with caution um but they show in it uh heathcliff and kath Catherine constantly grasping at the moors so like they'll be laying down in the field and they'll be one with it and I think that's what they are they're these untamable things um it's just you know for some reason Catherine ends up wanting to marry into society which doesn't seem consistent with her nature but um we'll talk more about that later I guess so moving forward how does the narration play a role in the story we are told 
So it, you know, it adds a layer of uncertainty to the tale. You hear it from the mouth of Nellie. You hear it from the mouth of Lockwood. All these people who weren't really too involved in the story, not at least as much as like the actual people who were involved right. in the they're story kind of, are. They're kind of uh, in the action, but yeah. they're also not a part of it at all. Right. They're kind of finicky in that way. And we can't really be certain if any particular things are over-dramatized. Um, you know, but this is revolutionary for the time, this this style of hearing from the outsider instead of the mm -hmm. insider. Absolutely. And I think it's a very interesting way to look at these characters. I think it makes us hate them more almost because we mm. see them not from inside themselves, but from what others see of them. Perceive um, of them. Yeah, which Whoa. Heathcliff is not a very... <laughs> <laughs> Heathcliff is not a very likable character, so that really could have done a lot of damage if, you know, someone, the wrong character is telling his story. So who knows? What do you think, Devin? So I agree with you. I think the narration is brand new for this era. Mm -hmm. um, the whole action of Wuthering Heights is presented in the form of eyewitness narrations yep. by people who have played some part in the narration they describe. Mm -hmm. um, we receive two accounts of narration specifically, like you said, from Lockwood, the central narrator, and Nellie, the maid of both Thrushcrush Grange and the Heights. And the story she tells is very dramatic. So as a reader, you have to analyze it as such. Um, we have to see it, that it's coming from an unreliable source, someone who has personal opinions and personal feelings about the situation at hand. Right. And for that reason, they can twist some of the events or details. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we even get narration from uh, that is retold by Nellie from someone else's perspective. For example, when Zilla tells Nellie about Kathy's time at the Heights since departing mm -hmm. the Grange, or when Nellie receives a letter from Isabella. Um, it's adding in layers of narration on top of what is already being presented. So because of that, it makes a very complex structure for what we are given in Wuthering mm -hmm. Heights. So I think that it is new and different, which is why so many people gravitated towards it, but I don't know if it necessarily works for the text. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Like. But there are some times that I feel like I am getting the inner thoughts of Heathcliff or Catherine. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, somehow we are, even though we aren't. Like, when he's out there in the grave or whatever, how could they have known that? How could either one have known that? Either of the narrators. <laughs> You're like, hmm, I don't know. Um, okay, moving on. That is the question to be answered. Other day. <laughs> Another day, yes. Okay, so was Catherine right in her decision to choose Edgar over Heathcliff? So once again, we go back to this idea of choosing love versus security and social mm -hmm. ambition. We've seen it multiple times in our episodes already. Um, but for Catherine to choose Heathcliff, she would have to had a more difficult life mm -hmm. he did not have money he did not have any family so he would have had to build them together with his own two hands right um, however in choosing edgar Catherine's life was made she didn't have to worry about food or shelter or anything everything was handed to her and in this time period having security in your well-being as a woman was everything that you could have wished for when asked by nelly why she loves him she responds with quote well, because he is handsome and pleasant to be with and because he is young and cheerful and because he loves me and he will be rich 
and I shall like to be the greatest woman of the neighborhood, and I shall be proud of having such a husband. End Aww. quote. So she doesn't get the real meaning. Like, it takes Nellie multiple times, like, and? So what? Why does this matter? It takes her so many times to try and break down her questioning to get to the truth, to dig to the truth. Um, she also doesn't believe Heathcliff is capable of love. Mm-hmm. So Catherine says... Quote, Heathcliff has no notion of these things. He has not, has he? He does not know what being in love is, end quote. So I think Catherine loved Heathcliff, but she was attracted to Edgar. Mm-hmm. So adding on the idea of having a secure future with him, it made sense for her to go with, for her to choose Edgar. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, like, was it right for her to choose Edgar over Heathcliff? technically probably no because she loved Heathcliff (laughs) like I'd like to say no because truly like she had an attachment to Heathcliff like she did not have to Edgar Um, Mm -hmm. but the two of them Heathcliff and Catherine were so bad and so bad for each other that it's you know toxic yeah like they were animalistic and I don't know if either one truly cared for the other you know they met each other because they were misfits they felt Mm -hmm. this wild call to nature and they left society behind who's to say if that's not where man is supposed to be in nature um but I I don't like compare them to like um Joker and yes and uh, Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn. Yeah, because they have that, like, I don't know, it's just that connection. It's just weird. This unhealthy connection. And yeah. it's definitely there. I'm not denying it's there, but I don't like it. I mean, you know, digging up her grave to lay with her bones, like, that is <laughs> horrific. I'm going to bring that up a bunch of times. But man, I, they're very earthly beings. They need each other in a physical sense, which is not something that we always get. You know, sometimes we'll get the Jane Eyre, my soul to your soul. These two meet each other in a very needy physical sense. And I find it unhealthy and kind of weird. Um, but I would have loved to meet Emily Bronte because I bet she had a lot of weird stuff going on in her head. Like this relationship and the <laughs> way sure. that it plays oh out my gosh. is so weird that I just wish that I knew Emily Bronte to see like exactly what she And was wasn't thinking. this her only novel too? Uh, no, not her only, I don't think, but it was the only one that really was like renowned popular things as far as i know i know the bronte sisters in general did a lot of different works but i know like if you compare it with jane eyre it's it's similar in its eeriness (laughs) but it's not similar in its (laughs) satanicness essentially like it's very demonic um but either way moving on moving forward despite the generally accepted view that heathcliff and catherine are deeply in love with each other the question of whether they really love each other has to be addressed. This question raises another. What kind of love or feeling is Emily Bronte depicting? Ah, that is a very good question. (laughs) So, Bronte here is depicting raw obsession, um, a physical need. It's something deeper than love, but not necessarily in a good way. They do meet on the soul level, but it's very, like, earthly i don't know how to explain it almost it's it's that's why it's i primal. find it interesting it's like very instinctual it is it's primal it's like a need it's an attachment that like is there um from early on and this is why i would find it interesting to meet bronte i wonder if this is what she longed for if this is what she thought was the ideal kind of love is this like obsession um 
you know, she depicts in this story uh, the dark hero, but there's an added twist that's different than the cynical Darcy, who is transformed <laughs> by the quick-witted but overall good-natured Elizabeth. Catherine instead meets Heathcliff at his worst, at his darkest, and they obsess over one another. They don't make each other better. They don't wish well for one another. In a lot of senses, Heathcliff will say things to Catherine like, I hope that I break your heart or something like that. And it's just, it's them against the world, so to speak. And I don't really think they have love for one another in the traditional sense. They they don't wish well for one another. They wish well for themselves. And in doing so, they desire to own the other. Like, I think Heathcliff, his desire to own Catherine is more self-serving than self-giving. So that's my problem with, with their love. What do you think, Devin? Right. So we're returning to this question. Are Heathcliff and Catherine in love? For me, I think they are intertwined and they have strong feelings for each other. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's love. I think it's a heightened passion. Uh, Like you said, it's like um, just this urge of needing each other. I mean, we see Heathcliff have this raging passion for violence and cruelty all Mm. in the name of love to seek revenge on his lover. Like this whole thing comes about because he wasn't chosen. Like Catherine chose Edgar over him and he gets angry and he just gets this need for revenge about this. And it just doesn't make sense. Love does not bring forth these types of feelings. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. That is what love is. I don't think, um, I don't think Heathcliff is capable of that kind of love for me. No, I don't. I think they just have feelings that they don't know how to express. It's not love. It's just built up tension. Yeah. And I think, you know, the whole thing where she was like the only one kind to him as a young person, that sort of thing sticks to you when when you are a character who is hated by the world and you obsess over someone else. I think it's a very Phantom of the Opera-esque thing. Um, Yeah, it's not healthy. And I think usually these characters don't end up together, but they they end up bound (laughs) in some way, um, which is what we see here. They were tethered. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Next question. Is what Catherine and Heathcliff call love and generations of readers have accepted as ideal love really an addiction or obsession? Uh, I will say this again, and I'll repeat this to my deathbed. We gonna rant. (laughs) I don't think it's love. I don't know why people see it as that. I don't get it. Um, For me, it's an addiction. So, and to all those people out there who claim that this is a beautiful love story, I'm sorry, I just don't get it. <laughs> Tell um, us what you think. <laughs> if you've ever read the story, you know, you would know that this is not something to idealize. It's not beautiful. It's not something you want to have in your life. All right. I said my piece. Uh, Heathcliff, <laughs> <laughs> Heathcliff and even Catherine, for that matter, are obsessed with one another. Mm-hmm. An addiction occurs when someone's attachment to a sensation object or person lessens their feelings towards other things and increases their dependency on that experience as their only source of gratification they become addicted to each other so much so much that they can't tear themselves apart from one another and when heathcliff loses his drug of sorts he has withdrawal symptoms he gets Mm -hmm. angry and violent he goes into depression he vows to ruin people's lives even though 
Even those who have no connection to the events of the past other you know than their what blood. I love? When he shows up to Catherine for the first time after years and he goes, I've been plotting all this time to see you and then kill myself so I could hurt you. But now that I see you, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? I, I just, he, that doesn't make sense. So that's what I'd consider this. That That's why I consider this to be more of an addiction relationship than love. Um, what are your thoughts, Stephanie? I'm oh, sure the we same. Kind of had this. Oh, I know the freaking the same. same. And if anyone has any, you know, comments or thoughts that differ, please let us know. Please let us know why I, you think that this couple well, is meant to be you a know, couple. I, I see, I see, like, I see an obsession with the tale almost. Like, I see certain things in them that's like rejecting of societal norms and that whole thing that people are in love with. They're like, oh, these two are meant to be together because they're wild and they can't be tamed. But it's really, truly unhealthy. And I would say, obviously, not an ideal love, as Devin said, like at all. It's instinctual and it's leaping from a world of hate into the arms. So, this is essentially what happened to Heathcliff. He was leaping from a world of hate into the arms of the only person who showed him kindness. Hmm. That to me is not real love. That's obsessing over someone that was once your savior and now wishing nothing but to own them. And to have them as your own and only your own, which is not how the world works. We're meant to live in community with each other. And the only way to have a healthy relationship is to want the thriving of another person. This quote from Heathcliff really pisses me off. And it kind of explains this too. Either way, when they see each other, this is one of the first things that is said. You deserve this. You have killed yourself. Yes, you may kiss me and cry and wring out my kisses and tears. They'll blight you. They'll damn you. You loved me, and then what right had you to leave me? What what right answer for what right answer me for the poor fancy you felt for Linton? Because misery and degradation and death and nothing that God or Satan could inflict would have parted us. You of your own will did it. I have not broken your heart. You have broken it, and in breaking it, you have broken mine. It's just, you don't talk to someone you love that way. And if they have to make a choice to better themselves, like, I get it that you're hurt, but man, like, if you truly loved that person, like, you would just want to see them thrive. And that is not what happens in this relationship whatsoever. But... So that's just my piece. And I know I'm ranting at this point. So if you guys have any disagreement about that, please let us know. For, you know, to sum up what I've been saying, basically, these two cannot love each other because the love that they share is not something they share. It's something that they want to take. So either way. With that, we're moving forward. Does the fulfillment of Heathcliff and Catherine's love after death affect the love of Hareton and Kathy in any way? Oh, my God. These two deserve a freaking award, okay? <laughs> Their love just shows the immaturity of Heathcliff, honestly. Like, I honestly don't believe Heathcliff and Catherine are fulfilled after his death. I, I think, honestly, neither of them go to heaven. I don't know where they go, but certainly they're not going there. Um, I've always really had a real problem with Heathcliff and Catherine. So that's why I think it's amazing to see these two strong and true characters come out of these terrible ashes that Heathcliff and Catherine have left um, in a true love sense. Full respect to Kathy and Hareton. Um, obviously, they were impacted by Heathcliff's abuse of both of them. Right. But I think ultimately when they end up like getting together, like good for them. You know, screw these people. I oh. My God, I, I have so much respect for Hareton. I, I can't even begin 
to talk about it. But what do you? Yeah, think? we really have to give it. We really have to give it for uh, Harrison and Kathy because these two mm-hmm. lives are ruined all because someone and I'm looking at you, Heathcliff, wasn't chosen over the other. Like yeah. Like, all because of, all out of spite and they're beaten they're harassed and their lives are practically out of their hands they are merely puppets whose strings are controlled by their ancestors mm-hmm. um Harriton and kathy's love breaks the cycle kathy's heart changes she sees Harriton for who she for who he is he's not educated he's not well groomed he's not the perfect guy but he needs love too and mm-hmm. kathy finally after a couple weeks being together she finally notices that um, they are stuck together, and the only way out of the mess of their lives is, is being is by being together. Yeah, they fall in love with each other just like Heathcliff and Catherine once quote unquote loved each other. Yep, but they're better. <laughs> their relationship even is almost a complete copy and paste from Catherine Heathcliff. We have Catherine, the higher class snob, having stirrings for the lower class mutt. Um, so. Both Except Catherine they're not freaking Kathy. terrible people. <laughs> Both Catherine and Kathy have that feeling. <clears throat> Thus, they are now able to start their own cycle, to potentially begin their own family, one united in both Earnshaw and Linton. And that's what I love. And I will get more into this couple later because I fully support them and not Heathcliff and Catherine. Yep, full support. Throwing it behind that. Um but okay next question do you feel bad for linton the life he was dealt and his sickness absolutely not oh boy forget this dweeb he's literally the worst i secretly crafted this question just so that i could complain about this kid i don't remember exactly when but i was reading and i was like i've had enough of you and your irritation (laughs) your irritation is causing me to write a question about you just so that i can badmouth you the worst but what did he do nothing i mean yeah, sure. His only family that he knows, his mother Isabella, dies when he is young and he is taken away to love to live with his abusive father. But this dude has issues that don't even relate to the situations that he's been in. He even contrives with his father to capture Kathy because he is too selfish and worried about what Heathcliff would do to him. Mm-hmm. He's just a spoiled whiny brat and I have no feelings for him whatsoever. That's me. You know, I feel bad. To some extent. You do? I'm sorry, Devin. I, you know, I don't really know. Just like he... whenever I was, because I would listen to the audiobook while um, I was reading this, I'm like, whenever his voice came out, I was just like, shut up. Ugh. Okay, so I kind of do feel bad for Linton. Same, anyway, because he has a father like Heathcliff. Simply put, okay, this dude has a life that is horrible. <laughs> he just has a life that's he horrible. Does, yeah, I, and I, he's annoying. He does he have a bad really life, and add, I get it. He doesn't really add anything to the tale. But, I mean, I, I don't really have an opinion either way. So I'm going to support your opinion, Devin, but I'm going to say this guy <laughs> should be pitied at the very least. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, I created this question just so that I could bad Just so this you could guy. harp on Because I was dude. just so infuriated by listening to him all the time. 
whine about and then as soon as he married kathy he was like Mm -hmm. this is mine and this is my house and this uh," he was like oh you're gonna die and i don't even care (laughs) (laughs) regardless moving on Devin. all right with that off my chest we're gonna move forward (laughs) yep (laughs) i'm glad that you got it off your chest i got it out all right over the course of the novel, we see three generations and four distinct marriages be consumed by a cycle of broken relationships between these two families. Mm-hmm. What is Bronte's purpose here? Why create this cycle? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to see how relationships simultaneously impact and do not Im- impact the love of future generations. Um, there are definite similarities and differences between the relationships that she creates and the people that are in them. Um, what I think is interesting is more than the relationships themselves to see how the children of these relationships are impacted in their own lives and in their individuality. <laughs> I made a face. <laughs> it's I true, mean, though. I was like, yes, I, you're so right. It's like, it's interesting to see, like, each of these children and how they end up, which I, I honestly have questions about Harriton and how he ended up who he is because Hindley was like a terrible person. So I, in that regard, Harriton grows up a better man than his father, right? And then young Kathy, she ends up a better woman than her mother. But then you have like Linton who must just have like demon yes blood. And no. yes Why? And no. what, what do you think? I feel like, I feel like, parts of Catherine were still inside Kathy. Yeah. And th- and she let them out at times, but she was also able to part ties with that later. She seemed like, more mature towards to me, Towards the end though. of the text. Yeah, I don't know. I, she just seemed more mature to me, like, mm-hmm. especially in, in talking to Heathcliff in the end. Like, I think right. she had more of an analytical perspective of it that. all. Whereas, like, Catherine just, like, threw herself to the wind and, like, didn't didn't have any morals to, right. to, to speak of. And... And Linton, you know, we just talked about him. We're not his biggest fan either. But it is interesting to see how these people <laughs> grow. And I think I want to focus specifically on Hareton because this dude had a terrible father and then he was brought up by an abusive random guy who's not really related to him in any way. And he ended up a decent dude. How does that happen? That takes strength of character. Um, it does. But yeah, so it's interesting to see the devolving of these different like lives and these different personalities from one another. What do you think, Devin? So each marriage presented in the text is flawed and shows a poorly constructed relationship. We have um, Hinley and Francis, Catherine and Edgar, Isabella and Heathcliff, Kathy and Linton. And then later we have finally Kathy and Harriton. So each of these fail or come to an abrupt end in death and disaster. But why do this? Why create a story of utter pain and sadness? You know, I'm not really sure what Bronte was going for, but if I were to comment on it, <laughs> I don't I'd think say anyone that is. It, I don't, right, I don't think anyone. But if I had to comment on it, I'd say that it might have to do with the power of family and the role of history, like you were already hinting at. To me, and I know I've said this before, but family is everything. One's love for their partner stems from their love for their family. You fall more in love with someone when you meet their family and love on them. So Bronte could be showing how one poor relationship can destroy a family for generations. Mm-hmm. It's not just your marriage that you're messing with, but you're yep. also messing with your kids and their marriage and their kids' marriage. Generations can potentially be ruined by a series of mistakes. However, 
it only takes one person to break that cycle. In our mm-hmm. case, two with Harriton and Kathy. Bronte could also be pointing at the importance of history and learning from your parents' mistakes and saying to yourself and your partner, you know, I saw how they went about this poorly. So let's work through this. Let's do something different. Let's go a different route instead of following in their footsteps. So yeah, that's definitely an interesting take is like the let's learn from this sort of perspective. But what's also interesting is neither of them would exist if not for the mistakes of their parents. That is true. So I I have trouble like parsing what Bronte meant with this entire story. Did she did she think that Heathcliff and Catherine were a good match? Like that's my question. Bronte, are they your match? <laughs> are they your soulmates? Or are you saying that Harriton and Kathy are the end result of all these crappy marriages and they're the one that are ones that are gonna take it forward and and move on from here? And have a better uh, life, right? Yeah. Who knows, honestly. Um, but next question, what does the upcoming marriage between Harriton and Kathy mean for the two families, the past and the future? So as mentioned earlier, we see a change in Kathy and she learns to love Harriton. And for good reason, Harriton works his butt off so that Kathy, the shallow snub of a girl that she is, will notice him and that he will be presented as a man that she could respect. Their relationship was never pleasant. Um, actually most of it was pretty unforgiving. But once both shatter their walls, their relationship begins to build around reading and literature, and Kathy begins giving him lessons. Their relationship resolves the conflict of their predecessors, Catherine and Heathcliff. They yeah. unite the families that were once at odds and are no longer puppets. And I was writing I was writing this, I was like, oh my gosh, it's kind of almost similar to Romeo and Juliet in a sense, where they're like trying to mend these two families together. Um, the destructive cycle that was once that once was is now broken and they don't have to make their same mistakes of the past. Mm-hmm. They can create their own futures and be masters of their own fate. Mm-hmm. Who knows um, if they will, but let's hope. Right. But this <laughs> is think... one of, sorry. Go ahead. But this is one of the few redeeming qualities that I actually do love about the novel. I'd even like to argue that the relationship we should focus on when it comes to Wuthering Heights, isn't Heathcliff and Catherine, but Harriton and Kathy, because they break the cycle. They turn away from the mistakes of their ancestors, and they want a change. Mm-hmm. Neither of them are happy with who they are. Harriton hates being an oaf, and Kathy hates being rude to this dude. So instead of allowing the cycle to continue, they put a stop to it and change their hearts for each other. Yeah, and that's beautiful. And I think ending it here shows us that there can be healing from all of this because it is all just dark and dangerous and violent and then it's the two of them you kind of see some hope yeah you see some hope for the future and you know i honestly don't know if heathcliff or catherine would have wanted this kind of healing between the two like because the two of them were so angry all the time Although when he dies, he does say that finally, like, he's over the revenge because he just wants Catherine. But I don't know, because the whole time Heathcliff is like, I just want, like, everyone to feel as much pain as I do, basically. So I don't know if this is what he'd want. But even if it's not what he'd want, thank God for it. It gives you some hope (laughs) for the end of this story. There's always, you know, they're, they're brought together through a different kind of marriage than 
what Heathcliff and Catherine had ever wanted. It's satisfying in an unsatisfying sort of way. I don't know how to explain it, but this story just always leaves me with such a bad feeling. <laughs> no matter what. I just, the whole time, I'm I'm not feeling good about it. Do you I know what I mean? I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what that means. Um, but do you kind of know what I mean? Yeah, I do. But with that said, moving forward, many of the characters we encounter in the text are flawed in some way, shape, or another. But what influences could have helped restore their characters if they were present? So obviously, the most flawed character in the whole book is Heathcliff. Um, he's flawed in a number of ways, but I'm not sure if they're all his fault um, or if they are innate within him, if people would have changed if he would have been the same. So, you know, Heathcliff was brought in by Mr. Earnshaw, which good on him, I guess. But then he... F- he went through abuse and he went through neglect and we don't know up until the point before Mr. Earnshaw brought him in what he went through as well. He probably went through a lot of crap. If anyone other than Kathy showed him kindness, like if anyone, maybe he would not have been so obsessed with this savior of his. Maybe he wouldn't have been so violent. Maybe he wouldn't have wished pain on everyone but Catherine. Um, there's There's always that maybe if, but at the same time, They do talk about Heathcliff having this innate demonic anger. So I don't know if that flaw could have been fixed. Do you know? But And then there's there's Catherine who doesn't know really how to get what she wants. And she's also kind of a jerk. I I, I don't know. Like, I don't have the best words for it. (laughs) But the two of them are sort of just mean. And, you know, there are some characters in these Victorian or gothic Which is weird because they're even cruel to each other. Yes. Yes, they're cruel. And like sometimes she's physically abusive to him. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's physically abusive to her. And in some in some sense, there are these flawed characters who are mean or cynical or angry or shut off. And then they find someone who brings them into the light. These two don't bring each other into the light at all. So I just, I sometimes wonder if, even if things changed around them, if these two would have changed. Um, you know. You do, well, you do see that change in and Heathcliff but it's not until the very end and she has nothing really to do with it besides like quote unquote calling him to heaven in a sense it's a weird change like you don't expect it and I don't even really understand why he's finally like come to terms with his revenge story right um but it happens so um but one element that is consistent in most of the characters lives is a lack of family structure most of the homes they grow up in consist of a broken family, either a mother, father, or both not present. The lack of support each receives is then reciprocated in their relationships. Hypothetically, if Heathcliff was shown love by both his adoptive father and mother, he might have turned out as a more caring individual and not have might deterred have. <laughs> might have and not have deterred his relationship with Hindley. If Linton's mother wouldn't have died and Heathcliff wouldn't have been so cruel, maybe I would have more respect for this little brat. (laughs) But alas, um, yeah, I think that's one thing that was lacking is if this was a love story, we don't see love in the families. Nope, not at all. They're, They're at odds most of the time. And then that kind of overflows and they become almost at war with each other with Mm -hmm. trying to seek revenge so pretty gross but (laughs) moving on amazon and goodreads consider the gothic novel a love story 
a uh, bit of a stretch there, but sure. Uh, and readers are drawn to the dark passion between the central characters so much that they're quick to call it love. But is the novel, at its core, a love story? So we are ending at the close here. Yeah. We've almost come full circle with these questions. But to answer, Wuthering Heights is not, no. I repeat, not a love story. There are certainly elements of a love story displayed throughout, and several marriages make an appearance, but that does not coin it a love story. Mm -hmm. If anything, it is a cautionary tale about the poor treatment of love. Mm -hmm. If you handle love poorly, it's going to end terribly. Love is precious is a precious entity it in some cases like uh pizza dough if you will if you play with <laughs> pizza dough too long it makes it harder and harder for it to take the shape you want it to that's very true it loses its sense of being and you will have to start over or put it in the fridge to cool off <laughs> if treated poorly you will not reap the many beautiful benefits of love and i will say it now and i will say it again weathering heights is not a love story it's Say not. It, preach. <laughs> Wuthering Heights, a love story. It is not. And that is Yoda talk for those that need it in that language. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have anything else to say here besides just emphasizing this is not a love story. I mean, we got into a little bit about how maybe Harriton and Kathy's future, like, Correct. moving on together could be. Um, but the, the main focus of this novel, we That would be an interesting spinoff if someone decided to it write It would. I'd be interested. I'm sure there is them. something. I'm sure there is something. Some fan fiction um, somewhere. We should look it up. But basically, Heathcliff and Catherine are not a love story. Which brings us to our final question. Do we ship it? It's sunk. Yep. There's no going back. <laughs> There's nothing really for us to this say. These ship two are has obsessive. Sunk. They're dark. They're terrible. Sorry, Devin. I had to cut you off because I'm so freaking mad. No, please that do. These two exist because Heathcliff and Catherine, they exhibit signs of an abusive and unhealthy and obsessive relationship. I could not be further from shipping any relationship of the gothic <laughs> novel. Um, and we're going to talk about others as well. Northanger Abbey. We're going to talk about. But these have some redeeming qualities. This book does not. So, Devin, what do you think? Even though I'm very biased and angry. We, we, both, have, we both have the same feelings. Um, but they're just toxic for each other. They are each other's drug that they can't get rid of. And I've already spoken my case for Harriton and Kathy. They are the real winners for me. And I don't even fully support them completely. But I am proud of them for making the choices that they did. Heathcliff is talked about as being an anti-hero sorts. And, you know... I, I just don't get it. And Catherine went to her deathbed still not being able to decide if she loves Edgar or Heathcliff. Mm -hmm. um, they just don't belong together. And the closing nope. scene in the novel with the three of them, Edgar, um, Catherine, and Heathcliff in their graves is in their grave, grapes. In their grapes. <laughs> <laughs> in their graves is just sad. So um, yeah, they, don't went, even get they spent their they spent their entire lives just in this love triangle and hating one another and it it's stupid yeah nope. I, I i don't ship it I, it gives me a sour feeling every single time nope, I, nope, nope. I think of it which is why this past month has been so dark and depressing because i've been reading freaking wuthering <laughs> 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 no i'm kidding for some reason um, and I, I know i mentioned this to you before for some reason i thought in high school i enjoyed this novel mm -hmm. and rereading it now i was like what was I thinking? I, think I don't know. I don't know why I was world. attracted to it. 
I think getting more real world experience when you're in high school, you have these emotions that are just all over the freaking place because you're growing up and you're like, oh, my God, they love each other so much that they wanted to be in the grave with each other. And it's like, OK, now we are recognizing the abusive tendencies that maybe we didn't see before. That's yeah, what I, I think, know. because I remember liking it in high school, too. And now I'm just like this book gives me a bad feeling. But <laughs> it just does. Don't read it before um, going to bed. <laughs> yeah, don't read it or watch. Do not watch the 2015 version of this movie before going to bed. I made that mistake last night. Not a fan. <laughs> but, you know, maybe watch some cartoons afterwards. But anyway. There you go. Some Parks and Rec. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, it's time for some reader comments. Okay. So now we have a comment from Caitlin on Heathcliff and Catherine. So I'm going to read that. Caitlin writes, Heathcliff and Catherine are a complicated pair, to be sure. I think the main thing about them is that they're connected by something so much deeper than the average relationship. This is something so deep and so powerful and so rooted in nature that it comes across to other people as offensive and misunderstood. I think ultimately the two of them truly do love each other, but I also think that even though they do love each other, they could come across as toxic sometimes. It's unfortunate that Kathy really doesn't stick around to wait for her true love, um, and I think that sometimes Heathcliff is a little bit overboard and dramatic, but I, I ultimately really do ship this pair, even though a lot of people view them as crazy or toxic or, or bad. I just think there's something so deep to their love, something so much deeper than any one of us could understand. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for your commentary there. I tend to disagree a little bit um, with shipping them just because I think that what they what they have is ultimately deep. Um, but at the same time, um, I don't think it's a healthy deep. But I really appreciate your commentary because there are a lot of people that really love them and it gave us insight into why those people kind of ship it. Thanks. And now, the moments that you all wait for on a weekly basis, the announcement of our next episode. Who are we talking about, Devin? For our next episode, we will be going down with a ship and falling for a <laughs> very <terrible>. memorable <laughs> couple. We will are... Hold on. <laughs> You're dying. <laughs> will our ship sail or sink, though, when we talk about Jack and Rose from the Titanic? Tune in next week. Oh, that's funny. That's horrible. <laughs> but I'm very excited for, for Jack and Rose because my it's one of my mom's favorites, actually. And she I grew up watching this movie pretty much more than once a year. So I'm ready to talk about it. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, if you're interested in sending in comments, mom, I'm talking to you, uh, please email <laughs> us at weshipitpodcast at gmail.com or find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the fun stuff um, where we will continue to inform you on all the things we ship it and more. Yes, and don't forget to visit our website at www.weshipitpodcast.wixsite.com slash weshipit. We are so thankful yep. to all of you for listening on your favorite streaming services or through our YouTube channel. Yay. And we would love to hear from you either to join us for future podcast episodes as a guest reader 
or to send in your thoughts as a featured commenter. Yes, we want to engage with you guys. Please feel free to drop us an email or message us. We want to talk to you. We want you to be on the podcast. So reach out. And if you have some ideas for us, please let us know as well. Yes, do that because we need them. So yay. Um, But thank you guys all for listening. You are amazing. Go and attain your heaven. See you guys. Have a good one. Thank you.